0: If one person listened to this podcast Mm. takes one thing from this today, Mm. it would be to learn that there is a way of going from being used by your mind to using your mind, I think.
1: Steve Ware, absolutely delighted to have you on the show, the Purpose Dead Leadership Podcast. We've been, I'd say, mates on LinkedIn. We met at Leah's party a couple of times. We've built up a really good relationship. Yeah. I love you as a person, love you as a man, love what you're doing on LinkedIn. But for those who
0: don't know you, what do you actually do now? That's a great question. Do you know, on the train on the way up, I was thinking, you might start by asking me that. I've, I've answered this differently as time goes on. and I'll probably answer it now by saying, you know those days when you wake up and you feel like I've got this, you're rested. You sleep well. Feeling good. I think I'd teach people to have more days like that and less crappy days. I used to say things like, "I'm the least world's least likely mindfulness teacher." You know, I, I help people not to burn out. I help people yeah. to feel less anxious. But ultimately, it's feeling your best and performing your best. I think, and that's that's mm. something I was I lost and I was desperate to get back.
1: Yeah, because there's a lot of this stuff out there, isn't there, about daily routines and. I don't think it can ever be a one size fits all, but let's, let's talk about how you got into that later on. I want to delve into some of the techniques that you use and a lot of it is meditation focused, isn't it? And we, we have conversations on LinkedIn about Eckhart Tolle and being present and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm always, always fascinated as to how people get to where they've got to, they don't just fall into these things. So let's, let's go back. Let's go back in terms of your journey then. Kind of since school, talk paint us a little bit of a picture around what's happened to you, including the highs and lows and dark times, and just give us a feel for you as a human being.
0: So I grew up. I'm not somebody with a massive trauma story like you. I mean, I know mm. you, I'm sure listeners know your story. There's some incredible stuff in that which we may touch on, may not. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, I don't have a dramatic trauma story, but if looking back, I was always an anxious kid, and I was a very high-performing kid, and I think I think it kind of set me up for a fail because. I never failed at anything, Chris, yeah. I, I was great at school. I got an assisted place in the local private school because my parents couldn't afford to send me there, but I managed to get an assisted place. So I passed the exams, I did well there. I got taken on by IBM when I was 18, I had a first class degree, all this kind of stuff. Mm. And anything I seemed to do as a youngster turned to gold. You know, if I went down the pub and we started playing pool, I'd normally, I'd normally win. I was pretty good at most sports I did. Yeah. I danced when I was a kid. Mum and dad sent me dancing when I was three years old. That's something not a lot of people know. Right. And I did some professional stuff when I was a youngster up, mm-hmm. up in London with Sylvia Young and stuff. Right. So I was surrounded by success and I was surrounded by gold medals and, you know, trips to Japan as an 11-year-old to go and dance at all and this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I never, ever failed. So I didn't know what failure felt like. And looking back, I think I kind of established this place where, Underneath it all, I was pretty insecure and pretty anxious, but externally I felt like I had to wear this mask of, I've got this, I'm going to win this, nothing's ever a problem for me, mm. come to me for advice. And I noticed that in my friends and I noticed that kind of everywhere I went. And then my first probably fall from grace was I got glandular fever age 21 right. and it floored me, totally floored me. I couldn't finish my degree. Um, I was really, really unwell with it and that sort of burned me out mentally as well right so I ended up finishing my degree so the story is I finished my degree Mm -hmm. based on everything I'd done thus far although I didn't sit some of my finals, I gave me a first Mm. um and then I was going to go off and do this big project with IBM uh to do that I had to go abroad so I went abroad um, when I was 21 and this was to this is a massive radical change for me it was learning a whole new technology and intensive boot camp
2: yeah
0: I went out there and I pretty I'd probably say I I I burned out there hmm describe what burnout
1: is because my understanding of burnout and having experienced it two or three times and to to be completely truthful i actually think i've got an element of it right now which is interesting which we can delve into but for me it's a chronic kind of physical and emotional exhaustion almost a bit of a helplessness a bit of um overwhelm yeah what's your understanding of it
0: yeah it's a very personal thing isn't it sometimes Mm. i I would describe it for me, I've experienced it as radical sleeplessness and high anxiety are the two main things. Right. So an inability to sleep mm. and this constant fear of, you can hardly catch your breath. Even when you're not doing anything, even when you're, I yeah, remember yeah. going to the doctors when I, when I felt burned out when I was 21 and, and I was mm. like really anxious. And he said, what about? And I was like, nothing, I don't know. I haven't yeah. got anything. I can't pin on anything. And that made me yeah. feel even worse. Yeah. Because if you go then and go, oh, I'm worried about this exam. I'm worried about this or someone's died or what. Then they go, okay, we'll take this tablet for this. We'll go and do it. Yeah, yeah. And I, if, sitting there going, I just feel really anxious and I don't know why. It made me feel even worse. Like I mm. can't even, I don't even got an excuse anymore. But to answer your question, burnout for me feels like everything's hard work.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes
0: just getting up and doing something. Mm. You're not yourself. Mm. you're snapping at people you're short tempered and you're losing yeah. sleep and you're anxious you kind of go down this exhaustion funnel don't you and you're quite
1: cynical about everyone and everything yeah, I think, as yeah. Well.
0: you think people are against you when they're not
1: and it leads into depression yeah and I think people um, kind of shy away from talking about this and I think that I've seen posts about the way to be happy is to just just feel happy and you'll become a magnet. I, I think when you're in this kind of place of, of burnout and depression or whatever it is, you can't just, okay, I'm going to be happy. It just doesn't work like that, does it?
0: No. You can't. I never rubbish any of these things. I never yeah. rubbish positive thinking. I never yeah. rubbish gratitude and yeah. journaling, all this kind of stuff. They've all got their place. But I think in and of themselves, if you pick one out in isolation and just say, you know, you're responsible for the thoughts that come into your head. And I I hate when I see this toxic positivity on Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, people will say, oh, well, you're kind of responsible for your thoughts, so just think happy thoughts. Mm. I mean, if that was true, there'd be nobody anywhere taking antidepressants. and Everyone would snap out of it immediately, right?
1: Mm. I'm going to say the answer is, there's not one definitive answer, but I think that um, speaking to one of my coaches this morning, and she reminded me that often it's about, we've had the discussion before is about acceptance and the more you try to fight it or force it to go the other way the the worse it gets and i think the ability to i think what has happened to me is like i'm, I'm quite a dynamic proactive person I always want to be on the go I Always want to be doing something like mm. even on social media scrolling 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 all the time or, or the next meeting and i think the ability to to actually stop and actually do nothing not even think is very difficult for a lot of people Very difficult. and I look at some people and I run businesses and I talk about being proactive and doing loads of work all the time but I think that I look at some people and I think you must be heading for a fall soon because you cannot operate at 24-7 that power all the time so what I'm trying to say there is that in this day and age I think it's really difficult to get that balance right but also to learn that Put your phone down. Don't even put the TV on. Just, just fucking sit there and
0: feel. Yeah. But that's the hardest thing in the world to do, right? How much courage does it take to sit and be with your thoughts when your thoughts are tormenting you? Mm. How much courage does it stop and put your phone down and, mm. and avoid distraction when every fibre of your being is saying, "Yeah, please fucking distract me from my mind because my mind's yeah. killing me right now? Yeah, It takes huge courage to do that. And mm. I, I, I ran away from that for years. Mm. Years. And, and only when I only once suffered to a point my I thought, I don't want, I, I can't keep running. I'm exhausted from running now.
1: So talk to us about that. You mentioned the burnout thing and talk to us about how you did get out of it and what, how it did affect you a little bit as well.
0: Yeah. So I ignored it. I, I ignored it at 21 and tried, tried all the normal in, in quotes coping methods, you know, just working harder, just burying my head in the sand, just partying, just yeah. just drinking. I never, I never tried drugs, but I, I tried every other way of kind of just, mm-hmm. and, and I almost think of it as, you know, I'm, you, you're trying to run from this thing, but it's, it's, it's forever behind you it's almost like it's attached to you by a piece of bungee cord right And now yeah. right, it's just gonna snap it's just gonna keep coming yeah and so of course eventually it was, it was me it was really late 30s when i when i eventually got to a point where my thought i need something else mm. i've got to find something else i didn't know what it was though i had no idea what it was i yeah. we're not taught any any of this stuff at school we're taught we're taught to go to the doctors and the doctor will give you something to take and that makes it okay mm. but I was very curious as to was there something else.
1: Do you feel you're still searching? What I mean by that is that I've personally done a hell of a lot of work on myself and I've helped coach and mentored many other people because of my experiences. Yeah. But I think, A, I think you're never out of the woods and B, sometimes these things can creep up on you unexpectedly. With you personally, what torments you? What, what, what kind of does... Affect you in that regard. For me, it's when people are disingenuous and they they kind of do people over, or they that kind of stuff really affects me. I don't know why. I shouldn't. I've, I've built massive businesses. I've 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 been very ruthless. I've fired people. I've done loads of, loads of quite hardcore stuff. Yeah. But deep down, you know, sometimes things affect me and they and they shouldn't. But that's just maybe because I'm a human being. What about yourself?
0: Yeah, I think I mean lots of things affect me. I think the biggest, the biggest tormentor in my life is definitely my mind and what it's capable of saying to me. Mm. And if I've learned one thing in life, it's that the thoughts that run through your mind aren't facts. Yes. Even the ones that say they are.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Even the ones that are screaming that they are at three o'clock in the morning, you can't get rid of them. Yeah. And and if one person listened to this podcast mm. takes one thing from this today, mm. it would be to learn that there is a way of going from being used by your mind to using your mind. I think mm. there, there is a way back from that. When your mind is your total master and you can't see a way out and it's torturing you, there are ways that you can work to not flip that immediately, but to work with it.
1: Well, it's trying to separate yourself from your actual mind and your thoughts. And that statement, I think we both said it quite a few times. We are not, we are not our thoughts and people will say, well, how can that be? My thoughts are my actual thoughts, but the science behind that is that we're in, we're in, indoctrinated or we're 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 flooded with so much information and stuff but you you describe why you think they're not our thoughts and and how we can avoid thinking that everything we think is true but some of it's got to be true some of it
0: does of course but if we were our thoughts Mm. i mean every thought you've had up to now has come and gone right I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every emotion you've had has come and gone up to yeah. now. So fundamentally what we are, we're probably going to go quite deep in this yeah, podcast. Fundamentally what we are has to be beyond that. Mm. If we're, if we're something that experiences something that comes and goes. Yeah. Yeah. Then we can't be that thing that comes and goes and thought falls into that realm for me. Yeah. 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 But what, what most people don't realize is, is that you can, you can learn Fairly quickly, but it take, then takes a lot of practice, continual practice probably for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You can learn to observe your thoughts. You can learn yeah. to be the watcher of those thoughts. Mm-hmm. And when you become the awareness that's above your thoughts,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you've actually opened up a different dimension there because that awareness of your thinking is not another thought. That's crucial.
2: Yeah.
0: That's not another thought. No. And so, you know, people sometimes like to picture this. When I'm teaching people meditation, I, I will say, you know, imagine, imagine you're this beautiful blue sky Oh, and you're kind of sitting there, it's a beautiful blue sky, and then a cloud comes along. And it may be a huge, horrible, yeah. dark rain cloud that, yeah. that doesn't shift for a long time, or maybe a little nice, fluffy, blubbly cloud. Mm. Those are the thoughts, right? Mm. And ultimately they will come and they will go. Mm. Now we chase the good ones and we try and fight the bad ones. Yeah. Clinging, clinging to either is a kind of fruitless task. Mm. But I mean, for anybody, let's, let's make it really simple, Chris, for anybody Mm. that thinks they are, that they control their thoughts completely, or they are their thoughts. I mean, I'd say to someone, of course we can, I'd liken it to breathing, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're we're, we're both breathing, hopefully. Yeah. And we can take control of our breath. If I said, take some really deep breaths, you could do that. You could, you can make your breath deeper, more shallow, whatever, right? Mm.
2: Mm.
0: Same thing, but ultimately you're going to, you're, you're breathing is a function of your body, of your intelligent body, right? Yeah. You're not beating your heart, you're not breathing, mm. you're not digesting your food, you're not healing your body when it's cut, all these kind of things, right? Mm. They're happening to you, so to speak. Mm. Think I think implies a volition that's not there. We're being thought, I would say we're not we're not thinking most of the time.
2: Mm.
0: So let's let's flesh that out a little bit more. Yeah. So I would say think about, tell me what you had for dinner last night. Obviously you can, you can direct to a thought and go to the past and collect that memory in it. Yeah. And we can project ourselves into the future, what you're doing tomorrow, what you can do next year. We can plan the future, right? Mm. So we can direct our thinking. Mm. But if I said, sit here now, Chris, and close your eyes and be still and just allow your mind to think for a second. Yeah. And let's see what comes up. You probably wouldn't be able to tell me. Mm. Any old random shit could come up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From when you were a kid, last week, last year. So ultimately when we're not, Trying to push our mind in a certain direction and take control of it. What normally happens for most people is conditioned, repetitive thoughts continually go through their head. Mm. Or they're labeling. They're thinking about the environment they're in. Um, depending on their age, a young person will probably be very future centred. So they'll have a lot of thoughts about the future. If we're in yeah. our people's home now, there'd be a lot of past. I think thoughts yeah. about the past. Yeah. So how
1: how how do you avoid the negative thinking in terms of? What I've done is, yeah, we can separate ourselves, and we can, we can, we can probably move to feelings. But I think it's things like affirmations, meditation. Uh, we can talk and think ourselves into most things, right? But I think if you are going to think thoughts, surely it's best to have positive thoughts about
0: yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but I would start. Let's un- let's unpack that then. So how do I? Mm-hmm. How do you stop the negative thoughts? I'd say you don't to start with. Mm-hmm. And I put a post out recently about this, and I said that how can how can some people go through the worst atrocities in life, yep. and come out and lead fulfilling, happy lives? And how can some people have exactly the same experience and just be yeah. depressed and so? And the answer, one of the answers to that, is that they learn somehow mm. to accept what has happened and what is happening. Mm. And if you can accept, if a negative thought comes up, if your first reaction to that is "Jesus, I, God, I thought I was better than this," I, you know, I thought I'd done so much work on myself. Yeah, yeah. Why yeah. is this coming back? This is so. This, I bet no one else struggles like. If yeah. all, you're just fighting. You're adding. You're flaming yeah. that. You yeah. Know, fire. Mm. So, but if your first reaction is a little bit more compassion to say, mm. "Shit happens. Mm. I'm suffering right now. It happens to everybody. Mm. Every Everybody has to learn to live with fear. Has a really nice line in the Bible. Yes, like life. of course. And so if your first reaction to that anxiety, wherever it came from, is to say, I see you, doesn't mean I like you, Mm. doesn't mean I don't want you to go immediately, doesn't mean that, you know, but what it means is, is is here right now and I accept that. That's all. Mm. It's like me looking outside saying, is it raining? Okay. It's either raining or it's not. What do you think it's teaching you? See, that requires awareness, I think. So sometimes we, I think sometimes we know where the fear comes from. If we're talking yeah. anxiety, yeah. sometimes we don't no. And I think for me, a lot of it is, was buried stuff. Mm. You and I talk a lot about Eckhart Tolle. Anyone that's familiar with Eckhart yeah. Tolle's work, yeah, yeah. he's got this, he describes this thing called pain body. Pain body for him. in one simple definition of it is everything that you've buried in your entire life, all the negative stuff that you didn't deal with and or didn't quite deal with. Yeah. That stuff doesn't just disappear right no, of it goes not. to the basement and and it probably goes to the basement and lifts weights and comes back stronger
1: on that point though, because as you well know and the audience will know that I'm very vocal and open and comfortable with telling my story about my vulnerabilities and my anxiety that happened and my and my um trauma mm-hmm. um but what I'm also very conscious is that I think that it's important to go back. you have to resolve or try to resolve those issues, get to the root cause and processes and processes and process it, but yeah. Is there not a fine line between becoming your story and not being able to move on to new chapters because you feel that you are your story? So for me, I, I think that we have to have counselling or, or, or therapy mm. or coaching or whatever, or talk it through, whatever it is you need to do. Mm. But at what point do you do you stop that or don't you stop that?
0: I guess that comes down to, to personal decision. I mean, one, mm. one thing I would say is I don't, I, even though I teach mindfulness, I don't say it's the be all and end all tool. Mm. It's a tool, it's a very powerful tool in a box of tools. And you yeah. know, I've got plenty of time for talking therapies and coaching and mm. you know, all these kind of things. Mm. So I think they can complement each other. I don't think they're mutually yeah. exclusive. And I don't think there's yeah. one silver bullet here that that
1: So 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 that mask that you talked about, and that resonates with me as well. Because when I was running my multi million pound business, I put my suit on and I became this this different person, right? This very sort of measured, ruthless, professional you know with yourself can i say i i think you come across very measured i think you come across as 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 as, as composed Mm. um but i think that there must be times in your in when when you're not that that way so Do you feel that you're this might in a non-offensive way but do you feel that sometimes you're still wearing that mask or you have to in the work that you do yeah
0: yeah, because I, I, I can remember going to, so I used to talk about this in IBM. I used to talk about mindfulness yeah. in IBM, right? And there's this funny story looking back where um, I got this email saying, can you come and talk about mindfulness? And I used to get a yeah. lot of them. And I used to go, quite often it'd be a few people in a room. We'd just yeah. chat, be a few people. What I didn't realize on this one, it was the head of HR for, um, for UK and Ireland. Someone on behalf of her had sent me this, um, invitation. So I turned up at this building called IBM Hursley, which is a beautiful big building mm. and sort of wooden panel walls, auditorium. And yeah, I yeah. went there and I, and I suddenly realized, I thought, shit, I'm actually speaking to a lot of people here today. Right. And my heart started banging out of my chest. Yeah. yeah. And came with that was immediately the thought, hang on, aren't you, the, aren't you meant to be the guy that's chilled out all the time? Yeah. You can't be the guy who's, yeah, and yeah. they were literally pinning a mic on me here. And I was almost saying to the guy, can we, can we put it higher? Because, they're <laughs> literally going to hear my chest banging out my chest here <laughs> no and, you know, and, and how does that look when the guy stands up on stage he's meant to be Mr. Cool meant to be Mr. Choo mm. and he's crapping himself because he's mm. not a natural public speaker he doesn't seek the limelight but he's there because he's yeah. so passionate he really wants to help people yeah yeah and I think the answer is, is invulnerability and authenticity and I would probably back then I didn't I kind of hid it more and I get I, you know I performed I was, I'm like the classic duck on water right? It was very calm yeah yeah, yeah yeah but nowadays, i would I've been much more happy. I think with saying, I'm really nervous to be standing up in front and speaking to you now. You're happy saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was quite
1: nervous about coming today. Yeah, I think, I think, I think, I th- I'd worry if you wasn't. To be honest would with you? you? Yeah. I don't, why I say that is because I feel that. Look, I'm not advocating people not to be not to be nervous, but I think being in tune and in touch with your feelings is really really important. Yeah. And, and, but may, may, maybe we are too. You know, when when people say, "Oh, I'm an empath." Maybe, maybe we're too nice. Maybe we're too in tune with our feelings. Because I get that quite a lot where people kind of dismiss some of the stuff that I'm saying. But I wouldn't swap who I am for... I think, I think there's an art between showing your emotions, understanding your feelings, but also not allowing everything to affect you. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think there's a time and a place. Mm. And there's a place to be vulnerable and there's a way to be vulnerable. And vulnerability is a strength, I think, if it's done well. Um, that can probably tip into mm. people sensing fear and if you're leading them, them starting to be worried if maybe you're too yeah, vulnerable course. at the wrong moment. Mm. But I mean, that's a really interesting question, you know. The, I'm I'm a dog lover as well. <laughs> and there's a that's yeah. a great quote that rings in my head from a great teacher in the US called Cesar Milan, and he says mm. humans are the only people that will follow an unstable leader.
2: Right.
0: And That's why, interesting. why is that? Yeah. Mm. So dogs won't follow an unstable pack leader, no matter what.
2: Right.
0: No matter what. No matter what you're trying to do. Follow an they unstable. won't. Animals no. won't. No. So they won't follow an unstable. If they think that energy is unstable, they won't. Instinctively, they just can't follow it.
2: Mm.
0: Humans can be bribed and and you know, mm. mainly through fear, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, if people are scared, they'll follow you. They don't, they don't particularly trust you, and they certainly don't see you as a sort of calm-assertive mm. leader, but they're terrified and they don't really know what else to do.
1: Mm. It's interesting though isn't it cuz the the whole the whole Deli Ali interview I'm sure you saw that. You? Um I mean he showed real courage and vulnerability there and that's that's a different kind of vulnerability different kind of leadership. that's authentic kind of like for me that is strength that is not necessarily unstable that's that's that people would deem that as being unstable but I don't think that's unstable.
0: I don't think it is. I was at a I was at a LinkedIn networking event when you posted about that and I sat in a right. cafe in London and I listened to all of it. Yeah, And then I went to this event and I was chatting to someone. I won't name them. Mm. And he was roasting Deli Ali. Really I don't think wrong. he'd even, I don't think he'd even seen the interview. Wow. Okay. And he was sort of saying, um, it's bullshit, you know, oh, yeah. you know, he, this, this is a way of him trying to come back. He had a dip in form. Let's blame this. Yeah. There's loads of people go through this. It's a bit pathetic. And I was, I was mm. like, well, you don't know that. And Yeah. It was, it was interesting for me to have a discussion with someone like that because I think the old me would have got really angry about it and and defended Deli to the hilt. Mm. I was still a little bit angry about it, and I still defended him to the hilt, but I was a little bit more measured about it because I just thought, yeah, I can't say anything, and, and no one can say anything to convince this person no. of, of anything else.
1: It's kind of like picking your battles, isn't it? And that's an interesting point you pick up, whereby in this world there are people that are going to be like that. But if we then go and get aggressive or confrontational with that person then to me that proves that we've still got work to do and i yeah. think linkedin is a good example where i think you've been on a great journey with linkedin certainly the last of the last four to six months you know you've really elevated yourself and well done and that's really really good but yeah. i think we're both aware and we are both picked up on the linkedin community is great it's a great thing but there's a lot of people out there that are i think um posting for different reasons and it's it's it, it's hard not to some people post just to have a go and dig other people out. Mm. And... Um, Why do you think they do that? Well, I think, I think they do that to try and get their own engagement up um, and maybe out of their own fear and insecurities. And they probably see something in themselves, in other people, and it's a, it's, a, it's a deflection.
0: Yeah. What do you think? I think so. I think it comes from a place of insecurity and fear probably. Mm. You don't ever really see people that are doing well doing that kind of thing do you no or comfortable or having great days doing that no it's normally some cry for help on some level i think so in terms of linkedin i've
1: obviously it's it's a a wonderful platform what i'm finding lately is that there's a hell of a lot of influencers and whether we put ourselves in that bracket or not i don't necessarily care but there's a lot of posts about how to how to write the best post this is what you need to do if there seems to be a wash of that which is great but i i think those posts are really helpful but in terms of the different types of people on linkedin different types of business owners that might be able to write a post but does it really help them scale their actual business and their lives and that kind of stuff and i think that i think that it's really important that what i've what i've learned is to step away a little bit from linkedin look at my feed what am I learning from my LinkedIn feed? Mm. What am I getting from it? When mm. I post, what's the intention from it? So I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a break from LinkedIn uh, at the moment because I feel as if you can have too much of a good thing, right? Yeah. And I think if you're not constantly understanding why you're on there, you're on there. I'm on there to to build value, to build my business, to build a community, to make some friends as well. But I fell into the trap of kind of like posting just to get. Some validation, and I think we've all done that. We've all done that. And I think there was a post that someone else posted. I can't remember who it was. I think some people would, if they had the choice of likes and engagement versus money, they would choose likes and engagement. Really, I, I, I think they're they're so thirsty
0: for it. Yeah, such a big dopamine here. That it's, that it's it's kind of I thing. I think you forget why you're on there in the first place, right? Yeah. Oh, do you know I've 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 had this exact thought recently, and it's very tempting because I. It's, it's it's almost, not easy, but it's almost easier to get accidental engagement and likes. And mm. I've I got one, I can't remember. I, first thing that, and I've never had posts go viral and go really big, but yeah, I posted something about every packet of crisps in the UK expires <laughs> on a Saturday. It's like a nice thing to play with your mates at the pub, right? Guess yeah, they yeah. they, they yeah. read out the date you say, it's a Saturday. Yeah. And everyone, not everyone, but loads of people jumping on it and they're like, I'm gonna check the Chris in the cupboard, I'm gonna and, and my ego <laughs> like that, right? It's not Yeah. Of us. Us. yeah, it's yeah. Like if I give, you know, top ten tips about mindfulness or, or what's yeah. helped me most of my mental health, you get way less engagement. Yeah. If you put a testimonial on it, you get way less engagement. Yeah. So there's this little sort of greedy monster that's sitting on that saying, but well, don't post, don't post the really useful stuff or the testimonials mm. or the stuff that's giving real value. Post something that's gonna get loads of likes and loads of comments. And then you mm. start going down the thought of well, what is that? And then then you start to dumb that, What personally, I start to dumb stuff down. Or I'm tempted to, and then I've got to really rule yeah. myself in quickness. And then I, what? What am I actually on LinkedIn for? I'm glad you answered that yeah. question because sitting here, I can I see you as a very successful guy.
1: Mm.
0: Thank you. You know, why do you even need to be on LinkedIn? Mm. Do you need to be on LinkedIn? Can I mean, you not know bin all your social media and just live your life and
1: Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that I'm, I'm leaning towards certainly spending less time on there because I feel that I think in, in any event, focusing on one platform is a dangerous thing to do anyway because you never know what's going to happen with it. Mm-hmm. So my advice would be if I can give, if you are on social media, don't put your eggs in one, in one basket. But also there's different ways to skin the cat. And you, obviously LinkedIn is a great way to build business and build money. But if I looked at my screen time, for example, over the last year... It, it would shock me because mm. the amount of time that you can, I, I think if you're going to do it, I think it's about being tactical with it. Maybe yeah. you have certain time people are going to say, whatever, it's difficult to do that. But believe me, I, th- I think that you can go down a rabbit hole with it. If you're not careful.
0: For sure. It's like anything mm. in, in itself, it's neither good nor bad, right? It's mm. like the internet. Mm. But how, how and does it control you or do you control it? It's yeah. Ultimately, yeah, I suppose.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's for me, it's about, I enjoy the community. I enjoy speaking to as many people on there as possible that, that I, I class as friends. But if I was, the way I built my business, like my engagement has gone down quite a lot, but my clients and my actual ROI has gone through the roof. So I mean, I'm having conversations with my actual customers as opposed to, with all my, with all due respect to you, I mean, actually you, I might, I might be a client of yours one day actually, but do you know what I mean? It's, I think, I think sometimes we just, I think we can lose sight of that.
0: Totally. I yeah. mean, I'm finding my way on LinkedIn. I only started using it in anger really last year, April, maybe last year. So I'm, yeah. I'm kind of new to it, but I feel like it's, it's a really helpful source of clients for me. Yeah. And it's, but it's very easy for it to dominate you and for it to tip you one way or the other when you're, when you're feeling fragile. Yeah. I mean, you said you just said you're taking a break from it, right? Yeah, I'm taking a break from it because
1: because I, I, I feel at the moment it's it's not healthy for me to be just constantly engaging with as much as as much as fun as it is. The yeah. time I'm spending engaging on stuff like crisps or or, or you know or <laughs> that kind of stuff is actually not going to do me any good in in, in the long run. So I, I'm, I'm more, I feel like I'm a bit of a killjoy, but <laughs> I th- I think I, what I'm trying to say is I think it's important to to have a bit of perspective around it, but also I think that with yourself, what is your sort of plan moving forward around is it always going to be just you as a mindfulness or med- med- meditation coach or have you got a grand grand
0: plan do you know what i i don 't have a grand plan and i and i 've stopped feeling guilty for not having a grand plan because mm-hmm. when I left my, my the, the finish from my story is kind of I burned out IBM found something that really helped me, which was mindfulness. Didn't expect yeah. it at all. Bought an eight-week course back into the company. It was really successful. Taught that for a bit. And then I lost my job in 2020. So I lost my job in a pandemic. And at that point, I thought, what am I going to do? I was 45, 46. And I thought, what am I going to do with the rest of my life now? How many, mm. how many more years am I going to work? And I'd stopped enjoying my work at IBM if I was honest. Yeah. So I knew I didn't want to go back into another corporate doing IT stuff, even though that's what I was I knew. And so I thought, well, all I, all I know at this point is the thing that lights me up, the thing that gets me out of bed, the thing that makes me passionate is teaching mindfulness. I love helping people. I, I will yeah. never get tired yeah. of people emailing me saying, Steve, I'm sleeping so much better. Steve, yeah, my course. resting heart rate's lower. Steve, I've, my blood pressure's normal after 10 years, and after a decade of hypertension.
2: Mm.
0: You know, big, big, big things. People say huge things. Yeah, and it doesn't. It genuinely doesn't fill me up. Fill me up as a massive ego. I did this. I gave them this. I'm so proud and humble to be a conduit and part of that journey. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: That the hairs on the back of my neck stand up when when mm. I want to I get it. That's, That's what your I purpose, love. right? That's my purpose. That's what mm. I love. If that takes me to financial, you know, freedom and yeah. loads of money, brilliant. Um, if it doesn't, I'm cool with it. Isn't it funny? Cause you talked about your childhood and you, well, you never
1: failed. You had, you know, good people around you and it's very successful. Do you feel that the, the, when you got burnt out at IBM and or when you lost your job in COVID, that actually was horrendous at the time. But without that, obviously wouldn't be where you are now. It's, it's almost a,
0: a gift in a way. i would described that as a great gift in ugly wrapping paper.
1: Yeah. And
0: that's one of my favorite expressions. Mm. And I use it to people. You will be very careful when you use that to people, and mm. especially people that are going through big traumatic things. If you if you yeah. ask them too early, do you, do you see this as something that's helping you, or are you great? I mean, dare if you ever dare yeah. use the word grateful. Yeah. But looking back, I'm I'm <laughs> absolutely. I mean, well, I'll ask you that in a second. But yeah. looking back, I'm abs- I'm absolutely grateful i let me go because I'm so mm. risk averse. I mean, my dad my dad yeah. uh, he was in insurance his whole life, yeah. right? So every day on his desk. This building's burned down, this car's been stolen, this, this, this disaster, that right, disaster, right, so this, right. this, is flooded. What does that do to you as a person? Mm. I had no understanding of that as a kid. I've only mm. thought about it recently. But it made dad very risk averse and it made me inherit a real risk aversion. So yeah, I was clinging to the wreckage of IBM yeah. as long as I could. And then eventually they were like, no, you're gone. Yeah. And at that point I thought, well, okay, well, there's nothing I can do about that now. Onwards, you know, I've got to make a decision.
2: Mm.
0: It took away the, well, what if you fail when you leave?
1: Yeah. yeah. Isn't it interesting how we're parented, how we're managed, how we're educated? We'd, we'd, we're kind of told to, to get the wife, get the dog, get the house, get the husband, whatever it, whatever it get the car, get the, get the nine-to-five job. Um, and I, I think if you said to your, your parents, you know, at the age of 20, you know, I'm going to be a mi- mindfulness coach, they'd be like, they'd probably kick you out by the years, <laughs> wouldn't they? Well, you know, it's kind of like uh, interesting how conditioned we are. It's not their fault. They were conditioned by their yeah, parents. Absolutely, of course they were. So uh, sometimes I think you can learn from how not to be parented, or, or how how not to be taught and educated. So have you, you haven't got kids, have you? No, no. But if, if you did, or and or what, or what advice would you give to the average, you know, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen year old going into their life?
0: God, that's a tough question. I would I would say don't let anyone ever talk you out of your passion. Mm-hmm. Cause so I think if you've got real passion for something and I discovered mine relatively late, it, it just helps you get through so many brick walls. Yeah. It just helps you ignore the naysayers. It just gives you this quiet, even if you're not a self-confident person, which I'm not particularly, it gives you this little mm. fire that doesn't go out in your belly that says, mm-hmm. yeah, but I love this. And I'm feel pulled towards doing this. It almost feels like this it almost feels like something else chooses you rather than you choose it. If that yeah. makes any sense. And if you can discover that at whatever age, and you may not discover it as a kid, you may need to go mm. through a lot of life and you may need to go down the well-trodden paths of get a job in the civil service and make yeah. sure you, you know, make sure your pension's good and make sure that and you buy the house in the car. Yeah. I think most people find their true vocation when they suffer in their lives, probably. Mm. That's certainly what really shaped me and what.
1: I agree with that. I agree with that. So
0: I've been on about purpose and I know
1: how important you think it is, but I also talk about money quite a lot. Mm. I've... I've I was uh, born in a very poor uh, family, born in a caravan, council house, boy, all that kind of stuff. Self-made, not that I like to use that term, lots of people supported me and helped me get there, but I, I made my millions on my own. Yeah. Lost it all, as you know, um, and then became very resentful for people who had money. Now I'm getting my money back and it's all really, really good. But that journey that I've been on, I personally think you need to have a relationship with money. What's your thoughts on money? Because it's, it's really important money, isn't it? Very. But it's not the most
0: important thing, is it? No. I don't think it can be. I learned that. Probably the, the real time I learned that was was when I burned out in my late 30s and thought like – I can remember sitting there thinking somebody said, why don't you try mindfulness? And I was like, I'm not trying that bullshit. It's like, <laughs> I had so many visions of it just being – it's funny looking back. I, most, most of my thoughts were around, it's just a waste of time. How mm. can, can sitting quietly ever do anything? It's just wasting <sighs> more time, right? And I didn't have yeah. enough time to do the stuff I wanted to do anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had loads of opinions of it. None of them grounded in anything other than ignorance. But I think once I tried it and, and it started to change my life, I was just much more open to anything. Mm. I remember that moment, somebody said, Why don't you try mindfulness? I was like, No, 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 no. Mm. And then I went home and I thought, I'm not gonna tell anyone, but I'm gonna try it. Because I it made me feel weak and vulnerable. So I downloaded this app, I downloaded Headspace app. I can remember downloading it thinking, I've got about 20 grand in the bank in savings. I would give you that. If you were if you were Mr. Headspace, if you represented what yeah, I right, wanted, which right, was right. more peace, less anxiety, to be able to sleep again. Yeah. If you were sat here now, Chris, to, when I was, was 10 years ago and said to me, I can give you those things, but I need everything you've got. I need all the money you've got. I'd I'd just be writing the check now. You would, right. I'd be I'd be forcing it in your hand and I'd lock the door and let you out to get it. What
1: was it. the ca- that's a very powerful statement? You must have had a like a, a moment where you were on your floor, people talk about the darkest moments, when you were cried when you were angry to, to go from like if for want of be a better term, Mr. Corporate, Mr. IBM, the fucking huge organisation, to now this very chilled, measured, mindfulness dude. I mean that's a big change.
0: Yeah. Am I chilled, measured, my dude? I don't know. I'm a work in progress. I'll always be a work in progress. When's the last progress. time you cried? Um, a couple of days ago. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Why's that? Um, a, I've got a friend who's been pretty unwell. Good friend of mine. Right. He's in the hospital. Sorry to hear that, mate. Yeah, thanks. Um, my basketball coach died recently. So it's been a lot. I've, I'm mm. realizing my mortality the, in, ah. Obviously, that happens naturally. I guess the older you get, yeah. But I'm really realizing it. I'm I'm in the age group now where mm. you know friends are getting seriously ill. Yeah, older people that I know are dying. Um. Mm. So yeah, I've felt I've felt quite emotional in the past few weeks. Okay. And when I feel that, I try and let it out because my instinct. I don't know yeah. about you. Yeah. My instinct is to push it down. Yeah, yeah. Every fiber in my being says, "You're meant to be this tough guy. Men are meant to be the last ones to cry." I've got all this conditioned stuff, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um. And I'm much, I'm trying now, and it's hard, but I try to let it out. And sometimes I can't let it out. Sometimes I will I will go and watch things like it may sound really stupid to people listening, but I will I will try and find something sad to watch so I can cry. Oh, really? Yeah. Because if I, I almost feel a bit numb if I, if I, if I feel a strong emotion, and it may mm. be triggering something that I haven't particularly dealt with in the past, maybe the death of my nan and granddad or somebody I really loved that I didn't really deal with. And I feel this kind of numbness. Yeah, but it's quite an intense energy. I get it. And there's a sadness there. Yeah, and mm -hmm. and a combination of a few things help. You know, doing doing a very active sport will help. Just to physically burn to move helps. But I also want to release this. I I want to. I want to kind of. It's like you know. How
1: often do you get that numbness feeling?
0: um, Not that often. I mean, I I had it. When my basketball coach died recently, I think that, I think that triggered something in me because he was really a father figure. Okay. My dad's still alive, thankfully. Right. Mum mom and dad are both, you know, in their late seventies, but, Mm. um, it made me realize, you know, people don't live forever. No, no, no. And, and that's probably the hardest thing we go through. Mm. And I take a lot for granted. Like what? People being alive, people being there. Yeah. Me being alive, me me being healthy, me being able to walk and run and breathe. And... Why, why, why did you not want to say gratitude earlier, Have interest? Uh, I once I didn't want to say it. I think I was trying to make the point that right. positive thinking and gratitude aren't the solution to everything. If somebody's sitting yeah. in clinical depression and you said – yeah can't you be grateful? Do you know how many people are starving to death in the yeah. next country? Yeah, fuck I mean, look, look at, look at your lovely clothes and have you yeah. got a roof over your head tonight, yeah, like, I know. be grateful for this. Come on. Like yeah. you, you're an able body person. Yeah. That's not, somebody's not going to go, Oh shit. I didn't realize that. Thank yeah. you. All right. I feel brilliant.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to skip away now. <laughs> yeah, I can
0: breathe now. Yeah, thanks yeah. for telling me that. Of course you can't yeah. do that. You can't, yeah. you can't compare your way out of nah. depression. No, nah. but these things do have a very valid place and they're, yeah. and they're a really strong tool and they're a very good thing. They're just not everything, which some people tell would tell you. What would you say to someone who said, hang on, mate, so you're, you're
1: telling me that next time I feel this numbness, this anxiety, I need to go and put on a, a sad film and, and cry my eyes out. What a load of nonsense. I'm going to go down to a pub and have a pint, or I'm going to go for a run, an exercise. You know, you can't just, every time something happens, you can't just do that.
0: What would you say to that? I would never try and convince anyone to do anything. I stopped doing that years ago. So when I, when I first started, when I discovered this thing ca- called meditation, I don't like the word meditation, but right. when I discovered this thing that massively helped me,
2: yeah.
0: I had a bit of a, what I thought was an epiphany. I thought, my God, I, I just flood, my head was flooded with, it's going to help this person. It's going to help that person. It's going to help my dad. It's going to help. Mm. And, I, and I went to people and I was like, can just download this app? It's free for 10 days. Let me give you a code. I can get you. Right. And i read right. this book. But rescuing I read this book. people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I love to rescue. Yeah. Yeah. I love to rescue. Mm. I'm, I'm over empathic probably to, to a point of and why is that uh, maybe an
1: obvious question why is that n- not necessarily the right thing to do or, or for you or for them
0: do you think it's fucking draining for me but <laughs> well, I, I don't think it's the right i don't think it's the right thing for others either i think mm. and this is the skill i'm learning as a teacher is is to is to step back and allow people to learn this stuff for themselves and develop
1: there's got this. to be a will hasn't there as yeah. well for them to do that
0: absolutely yeah i want which is you know back to your question what would i say if someone said that I wouldn't say go home and cry and, and find a, you know, what makes you sad and get it out of your system. And yeah I would say this is what's helped me.
1: Yeah. But the overarching thing of that is, is it, it is about processing it sometimes. You have oh to process God, it. God, yeah. You've got to. That numbness, that, 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 that does resonate. Sometimes I get that. I don't know how often I get it. It's quite rare. And it's like, where the fuck has this come from? Yeah. And I think sometimes you don't necessarily need a reason no. for it. You just got to accept it's there. And it. And yes. I think it's just something you've got to, uh, I, I think you either, what you don't do is just try and bat it away. As you say, you've got to, you've got to embrace it, I'd say. And, yeah. And that can be in whatever form you want to, I think, what do you think?
0: Absolutely. Because I think, I mean, you know, we're talking about Talking therapies early. Hmm. Psychoanalysis will probably go into that. Where's it come from, Chris? And let's look at your child and yeah. let's go back. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, that's that's a great thing to do. But I think sometimes in some situations, an emotion comes through and you don't know where it's come from. No. And you can't pin, on, pin it on anything. And if you can then work with that and accept that, that's very powerful.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because the mind wants to know the answer to everything, right? Mm-hmm. But in my experience, the greatest things are beyond comprehension by our minds. Yeah. What's
1: one of the worst or the worst decision or decisions you've made in your life?
0: I don't know. I, I'm kind of in a place where when I look at my life, I, I almost think I can't regret things. Mm-hmm. Back to Eckhart Tolle, he would say that people, people can only act according to their level of consciousness at any yes. given time. Yes, yes. And if you're doing that, that's, see, that, that's another one that winds people up, right? Mm-hmm. Because if, if, the, if you said, yeah. well, what about somebody that's abusing somebody? What's about somebody that murders somebody? We're mm. just going to let these people off? Oh, they're just acting yeah. according to their level of consciousness? What a load of shit. We need to be punished. Mm. If you look really deeply at that. I agree with you. If people can only act according to the level of consciousness, then, then what do we do? Yeah. How, how do we live with that? How do I live with that? How do you live with that? How does society live with that? Mm does that mean mean, we should be regretting stuff does it mean we're making bad decisions does it mean we're just doing our best all the time what does it mean i think i think
1: otherwise you're constantly beating yourself up as you look back and i always say i was i'm a much better version of myself two years ago but then actually the tools knowledge wisdom where i was in my life two years ago was probably the best or was the best i could do at that time right and in any event i can't fucking change it anyway right and that's easy to say yeah but I, i do i do think that we are, we we often only do the best that we can in the situation that we're in. Right. And the fact that you can't change it anyway is important to understand. And I think, I think, I think regret is such a, people say, I don't have any regrets, but, they might say that outwardly, but inwardly, you don't know what they're what they're thinking about. Oh, should I, I think? I think I don't, I don't necessarily believe people when they say that because I don't think you? I think I think. Well, I, th- I think I think we've got a tendency to analyse things too much, right? Yeah. What
0: what do, what do you think to that? Yeah, I spent. I think I analyse less now. Right. Actually, I think I spent forty years. over ran it didn't really get me very far.
1: <laughs> no. No.
0: And, and I think sometimes the less I analyse, the better.
1: Because
0: mm. otherwise, it takes you down a load of dead ends. Yeah. I should have done this. I could have done this. Why didn't I do this? This is how my life's going to be from now. Yeah. And it's constantly dragging you outside of Mm. the only moment that ever is, which is this moment.
1: Mm -hmm. So what, what does piss you off? What does make you angry?
0: Uh, Cruelty. To dogs. That would, that would instantly, I'd be, I'd instantly.
1: Yeah. What would you do? What do you do? What happens
0: for you? Do you know, it scares me actually. It would scare me because I don't have kids. We've got, we've got yeah, a dog. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would protect her with my life. Seriously, yeah. I love this little thing so much. Yeah, yeah. We've got such a bond. We spend all day, every day with each other. Mm-hmm. It scares me, Chris. I, don't, I probably wouldn't even want to say what would happen if I had to defend her to the help because I'd probably do anything for her.
1: Mm. Have you ever had to kind of do that kind of stuff, like really react angrily or have you ever had to kind of has anything ever kind of like made you do something that is out of your comfort zone any examples of that
0: i'm at my comfort zone all the time constantly my comfort zone isn't sitting here chatting to you <laughs> my comfort zone isn't setting up a business my comfort zone isn't yeah. standing up and teaching people my comfort zone isn't being the center of attention yeah i've been so far in these last three years since i set my business up I, i've pretty much forgotten what comfort zone feels like
1: i agree with you i mean I, i'm the host of this podcast and i think i think we're both ha- having the same thing we're, we're, we're like that swan i'm enjoying this conversation with you but it's not an easy thing to do right no. and i think that um as we said before we're not advocating being vulnerable on, on on the daily but i think it's really important sometimes just to just to say i'm struggling today guys and putting that out there but there's, there are people that do that too much i think but yeah i just think it's about understanding that we're all human beings. and
0: Do you think it's harder for men? I know it's
1: impossible because you've never lived as a woman. It's a big question, isn't it? I think in different contexts it is, yes. Not in every context. And I think sometimes there's a misconception that... um, Men have the easier end of the deal and women have the harder end of the deal. I think that um, we are conditioned generally not to speak like this, not to show our emotions, not to show any vulnerability. And women generally, by the nature and biology of them, uh, lead with their heart and their emotions if they talk yeah. more. Yeah. So in that context, 100% I do, yeah.
0: And who would you go to? If you're having a, if you're having a wobble, if you're having a tough time, who's, who would you speak to?
1: Well, I do a lot of it myself as a coach. So, And this is where I believe passionately that who coaches the coach who leads the leader every if you're a mindfulness coach or well-being coach yourself you've got to have people around you so it would be people like yourself i've got people like you in my community in my network that understand it and i would come to someone like you because i've got a good understanding of what i think you are as a human being you, you would listen to me you'd understand you wouldn't judge so anyone that i would feel comfortable with male or female actually yeah uh, and because i've particularly on linkedin because i've been that way anyway myself i think i've attracted those people into my life so thankfully i think i've got quite a lot of people that i would be able to say i'm struggling today and they would literally just be there and and, and not judge and i think that's one thing i think people should remember is that if you are this individual that is sort of taking the piss out of people like that you might be that person yourself one day so you need to be very careful um it's easy for people to say isn't it but so yeah i'd say just like-minded people
0: yeah I think you? so yeah you get a, you get a sense of who you can really open up to and have a deep conversation with mm. and it tends to be the people that have been wounded yeah. like you have right yeah because yeah. there's, there's empathy in that there. mm. there's a there's an understanding i can yeah i can relate to you mm. you know if the 20 year old me was talking to, to you now Different no connection at all mm. what's this guy on about yeah, yeah, yeah. Just talking about. Yeah, yeah. Vulnerable, just get over it. Go and have a drink tonight. It's just <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, the, the, that's, what, that's what you need to do. But
1: So what, what, um, what gets you out of bed then? You kind of touched on it. You, you kind of touched on the fulfillment about the feedback you get from your clients. Would you yeah. say that's the,
0: the main thing that kind of lights your fire? Yeah, I can notice it. So on days when I'm teaching, mm. if it's a good group, has to be a good group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yearn to teach people that want to be there, that want to be taught. So I will, I will refuse to teach groups where managers, managers used to ring up at IBM and say, can, can my, my team need you, my team need to come on your course? i say, well, well, let me speak to them first. Yeah. It's like fitness. You don't just of course. Yeah, yeah. So, mm. But people that genuinely with whom this resonates and want to be there, that absolutely lights me up. Mm. I wake up in the morning and I'm excited to teach them because it's different every time. Yeah. I'm learning as much as they are in some ways. And it's it's nice. It's nice having a having a passion. I used to I used to get that Sunday night feeling.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, you go. Oh, to a of course, the like, oh, dread. Shit, yeah, yeah, the next yeah. Day, school the next day. Yeah, not I my, get that anymore. Yeah, I can't see you ever going back to that that way of life, right? <laughs> I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm employable anymore. And I hear, you hear a lot of
0: people say <laughs> that, true, but no, I, yeah, I don't yeah. think
1: I could be. Yeah. So, uh, what is your ideal client? And if you were, if you was to summarise in a, a sentence or two, what you what you actually deliver for them, so the audience are clear. What
0: what would that be? So my ideal client, I'm, 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 I come from a corporate background, so I've worked, I've worked mostly with corporates since. But what I offer is mindfulness-based stress reduction. Yep. And what, what the hell does that mean? That means that I take people. My ideal clients really would be somebody who would come on a six or eight week journey with me. But normally before that, we'd start with something a lot more basic. So if you mm. if you said to me, "Come into my company," I've got a company of five, ten. 500,000, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, I'd say to you, okay, Chris, let's, the first thing we need to do here, see what appetite there is for this in your business. Mm-hmm. Let's have just a one-hour session. I call it a mindfulness masterclass, a yeah. power hour, whatever you want. People come along and they throw rotten fruit and I encourage that and they bring their cynicism and they tell me that mindfulness is a big the biggest load of bullshit or they <laughs> haven't got time for it yeah. or it's woo-woo or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. And we talk about it. What is it? What isn't it? What does the science say? Why are the big companies like Google and IBM and Salesforce been using it for God knows how long now? Mm. We go through it. it's a really light hearted thing. I don't have any slides. It's really, it's fun. It's really it's yeah, just cool. a nice discussion like you and I have it now. Mm. At the end of that hour, there'll be a certain percentage of those people in that room that will say, I'm ready for this. Yeah. I'm ready for this.
1: You can take a horse to water, but you can't force it to, to drink. And I think that's that goes back to the point around we need to be guides or mentors. But if you're doing the do for them, it isn't it's never gonna work, is it? Ever. No,
0: not ever. So, so once we filtered that list out of people that are saying, yeah. I'm ready and they could be ready for loads of different reasons. Yeah. I'm sleeping badly. I'm anxious. I can't switch off after work. I'm, I'm irritable right. with the kids all the time. I'm not present with my wife. I'm not, you know, I've yeah. forgotten what it's like to feel peaceful and whatever yeah. brings them to it. Mm-hmm. Fine. Mm-hmm. And then we've got a choice of where do we go with that? Now the gold standard answer to go with that would be an eight week course.
2: Yeah. Very okay. carefully
0: put together, Oxford university, blah, blah, blah. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, when I want to say eight weeks. I'm only talking nine, 90 minute sessions once a week for eight weeks. It's not like an intensive thing. Mm. Okay. And we practice different ways of inviting more peace, being right. calmer, stilling our minds, mm. quietening our minds. What happens when we do that?
2: Mm.
0: What does happen when our mind's quiet? Mm. Is that some of the greatest moments of your life? Mm. Is it? Why? Mm. And how do we quiet our minds? Can we quiet our minds? Can we quiet them through fighting it? Can we quiet them through drinking, booze? Well, mm. Yeah, we probably can, but is that a great long term solution? Probably not.
1: Yeah, it's getting them to almost surrender, isn't it, a little bit, right? Yeah. Not easy to do, a very powerful thing to do. And that, and that that's where the growth happens, isn't it? When you're yeah. you able to kind of like, have you ever uh, experienced people becoming very emotional in that, in that sort of state of all that presence? Yeah, because one of the weeks we do is compassion.
0: Mm-hmm. And compassion for
1: themselves as well. Both. Yeah. yeah.
0: So week six will be compassion, self-compassion. Yeah, yeah. And that can be... That can be very radical and very new. And people, mm. a, a lot of people, a lot of people I like meet, that, that's a little bit jarring stuff. Too much. much almost. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we've got to tread quite gently there. Yeah, yeah, cool. And we'd normally work with, well, what about your compassion for somebody you love? Mm. Can you wish them well? Can it be as simple as that? Yeah, yeah. Can we sit for five minutes, quiet in our minds, bring somebody to mind whom we love yeah. or loved? It can be your dog. It doesn't even need to be a person. Can you imagine them on the most beautiful day of their life? Can you imagine them radiantly happy? mm would you like to give them that as a rhetorical question? Of course they would. Yeah. Let's just, let's just kind of send them some good wishes, so to speak. Let's, let's just say a few words under our breath. Mm. May you be safe, may you be happy, may you be healthy, whatever it is. Mm. And what does that feel like to you?
1: I think the trick is though, because the average corporate person or even the average business owner or, 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 or business doesn't correlate that what we do outside of work the content that we absorb the the, the the personal development we do the the relationships we have the people we hang around with um the work we do on ourselves has a direct correlation with the output of what we do inside of work so we can do the operations marketing branding all that kind of stuff but unless you're not unless you're doing these things outside of work and you're in tune with yourself yeah. i think you can only go so far
0: totally but, but we've got science to back this up now, haven't we yeah we've got a shitload of science to back it up. We've mm. got people like Deloitte saying, if yeah, you intervene course. you know, proactively, the ROI is 500%. Mm. You've got companies like Google have been doing this since 2008. Mm. I mean, if there was no ROI, if there was no real solid business value no. in this, the big boys would have dropped it a long time yeah, ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's too many people sort of working in the business, not on the business. Right. And that's, that's, that's the difference sometimes. Steve, it's been absolutely fascinating. We've kind of run out of time, but we, we probably should do a follow-up or two or three. As expected, very insightful. Before we go, what's one thing you'd like to leave the audience with, a
0: piece of advice or wisdom or anything really? Wow. Um, I guess the one bit of advice I'd say is if, if there's anything I've said in this today that's resonated with them, to a point where they're just interested in learning mm. a little bit more, mm. download an app, buy a book, mm. listen to a podcast, listen to a great teacher, look up. Yes. Doesn't need to be me, anybody. Right. But just nurture that, follow yeah. that because that could lead you down the most beautiful path. Mm. So don't, don't believe your mind if it comes in and says, oh, you were interested in it, but it's not going to do anything for you. Or you, yeah. you're the only, you're the only person in the world. who's not to, You know, my, my mind's never still, so I could never possibly meditate. Mm. So, I would say just to nurture that, because for me, that's the greatest gift I've ever kind of found and the greatest gift I've allowed others to develop is all started with just one person saying one thing and then someone saying, wow, I'd like to know more about that.
1: But that personal development, self care thing is a self respect thing. When you start doing that to yourself and you start growing, you start to reflect that in other people as well. And you start to, I think, you start to get the abundance around. the willingness to actually understand that there are people out there that can teach me things. There are courses or, or apps or actually I can develop as a person mm. as opposed to sometimes I think we can, we can think that we, uh, we're, we're too, we're too advanced to grow
0: sometimes. What do you think? We're never too advanced to grow. I'm going to be growing to the day I die. <laughs> I mean, that's for sure. And, mm. and I think the, if you can find good people, if you can find good people that can help you, mm. then you need to be one step ahead of you. Mm. But surround yourself with these people. If mm-hmm. if you're, you know that cliche about you, you're the product of the five people you spend the most it's time. True, with. though. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and I try and. The older I get, the more I, the more I, I don't believe that. I don't believe things anymore. It's what's my direct experience. Mm. My direct experience has been that that's the truth.
1: Yeah, Steve, absolute pleasure. Where can people find you? Is it just LinkedIn, or are you on other LinkedIn stuff? LinkedIn
0: well? or stevewaremindfulness.com Okay,
1: great to have you on, mate. Thanks for Thanks that.
0: Thanks for having me, man.